We've got Ari the Rugged Man on the show coming up in just a minute. And later on in the show, we've got a listener-requested album review, Graduation by Kanye West. Is it Sweeps Week? This is a loaded show. <laughs> yeah, man. We are not pulling any punches. You know, originally, if we weren't going to be able to get our guests this week, we were going to listen to the new Taylor Swift album. You know, we are going to have a little, little Kanye versus Taylor action, you know, for the clicks. Are we still planning on doing that, or are we just going to scrap that? Ah, uh, you know, honestly, like, so you had said, like, there's no need to review it. It's just really good. And then I listened to it, and I was just like, oh, my God, there's no need to review this. This is just really good. <laughs> it is just really good, though. <laughs> like, it's just a beautiful piece of music. Like, it's one of those, it, it really is a moment. Like, I've only known Taylor Swift as, like, you know, the person that I watched, like, those Todd in the Shadows videos, you know, and he and he breaks it down. And it's like, oh, yeah, like, her videos, like, you know, her music's really, like, pop stuff. And then I listen to this album, and I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I had, like, all those feelings, you know, that you get from, I don't know, like, Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist and Scott Pilgrim, you know, indie movies type of soundtrack. Like, I was feeling that, you know, that, that sixpence, none the richer, you know, uh, kiss me. Like all <laughs> that aesthetic was just being like jet streamed into my heart through this music. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. Like I'm here for that. <laughs> I watched out of curiosity, uh, the needle drop video on the album. To, I was just curious what, uh, what Fantano had to say about it. And there were a couple tracks, including Cardigan, which is, at the time of recording, the number one uh, song on the Billboard chart. And he said, like, this is the most paint-by-numbers, like, copied-and-pasted Lana Del Rey-sounding imitation I've ever heard. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, good thing I never really cared for Lana Del Rey, so I don't really care <laughs> if it's a rip-off like, or when, not. When it's, ripping off, when it's ripping off someone that you don't care about, it's like, I mean, then, uh... <laughs> Because I wasn't going to listen to them anyway. <laughs> I'm going to fall back on when we talked about uh, Bodak Yellow. Ah, yeah. It's like, look, we shaved the flow. But, like, it's distinct enough where it doesn't just sound like just him. Because, I mean, his voice just sounds like a colicky baby. <laughs> and it's just like, I don't know if most people can listen to that for a full song. Mostly because, like, if you listen to his hits, like, you can tell they knew that. Because, like, he's only on maybe, like, a third of the whole song. You know what I mean? I'm just going to leave it at that, that it's a strong recommendation for me. I, I already bought the album, the fucking Taylor Swift album. And it's the first... Uh, Taylor album I ever bought and those who have followed me from back in the day will know <laughs> oh we got their transformation as I have gone through with uh, Tyler the Creator so so it's there seems, you go uh... <laughs> look at our redemption arcs <laughs> where there's a season turn 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 my friend <laughs> it has been a slow burn uh, Taylor Swift on me it's like Every album since 2008 has had, like, one more song on it that I liked than the last album. It's like, all right, I've got my eye on you. And then, like, then 1989 came out, and I was like, man, I'm kind of digging, like, like a quarter, maybe even, like, half this album. And then that last one dropped with the Look What You Made Me Do joint. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, mm, <see. laughs> damn it. 
And see, those hit singles are how I know her. So it's like, it's purely the hit singles for me. So I'm like, all right, if I don't hear good, like, surface singles, then I'm not delving any deeper. And they all just kind of sound like, you know, the pop sound of the day, like maybe with country twang in it. But, like, it's not that remarkable. But this album was like... Uh, there was one song I think called like Mirror Ball or Disco Ball or Mirror like Ball that. yeah and it was like my favorite one because it just captured this like I felt like I fell in love listening to that album man <laughs> you know what I mean like I don't know what I'm in love with but I'm in love with something <laughs> it might be the aesthetic you know you know what I'll say that's what it is she pulls it off <laughs> I was listening to these songs and thinking to myself you know what's odd these sound like Taylor Swift songs. They're written very similarly to songs from previous albums. It's just the aesthetic is different. Yeah, there's one on there specifically about like a, a friend that had been betray- uh, betrayed or something like that. You know what I'm saying? And you see the story unfold and it's like about being in high school and being 17, you know? Oh, yeah. It's like this sounds very cut and dry, Taylor Swift. But then it's like, okay, so it almost makes you rethink. Like, okay, so. Taylor's been this talented writer this whole time. It's just been, like, the aesthetic that's been turning me off? Am I gonna have to go back to those old albums and give them a second try now? See, I think what it is, is, like, she had one song on there called, like, This Is Me Trying. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And I think that was her, like, legitimately... You know how Michael Jackson would sometimes write songs where it'd be like, Yeah, I'm talking about this, but, you know, if you know about my life, you know, you kind of know what I'm talking about. Like, you know, black or white. Like, yes, it's talking about, oh, I love my baby, whether or not she's black or white. But what he really means is you should accept my music whether, regardless of what I look like. You know what I'm saying? A fucking man in the mirror. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, yeah, you know, this is me trying, but but this is, this is pretty good when I actually try, though, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but aside from that, we're going to transition over now uh, to a pre-recorded segment, uh, an interview with R.A. The Rugged Man. We talk about... Woo! Your favorite rapper's favorite rapper. You know, there's a good chance. We talk about some old tracks, we talk about some miscellaneous news going on right now, and we talk about the new album, uh, All My Heroes Are Dead. So yes. check it out. Here's our interview with Ari the Rugged Man. We'll be back with the graduation review after this. So this week on Going Off, we're privileged enough to be joined by, I'm just going to go ahead and say it, living legend, Ari the Rugged Man. I was thinking about how often we see you pop up when we do album reviews. I was going to say where we least expect you, but it's just because you never know who's going to show up on these albums. And I was thinking about in the movie Forrest Gump, you'd always see him in the background of historical photos. We're listening to these albums. And it's like, oh, shit, there he is again. Like always just kind of popping up. I'm Zelig. Did you ever see the uh, Woody Allen movie Zelig? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't say I have. That's the real version of Forrest Gump. That's where they got Even all that. Better. Exactly. So it's been seven years, and that kind of explains what we're just talking about, about, like, just kind of popping up, kind of laying low until the new album came out, and that's why we're here. I'm sure there's a lot of reasons as to why there's been the seven-year gap. So you just want to talk to, like, how your life has changed in that time? and You know, six and a half years, <laughs> and uh, I have a three-year-old and a four-year-old, and I've, I've done... Uh, Hundreds of hundreds of hundreds of hundreds of shows uh, since the last album. And I've did, done, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of songs and features. I've had, you know, 50, 60 features released, probably, probably 40, 50 songs unreleased. 
you know, so we've been very, very productive. You know, I'm, I'm a showman. I'm an MC. I'm a stage performer. And plus, I don't have the tools to just drop an album and everybody gets to hear it that week, you know. So when I drop an album, like when I dropped the one before this, you know, it takes you two, three years to promote it. You got to put out videos for every song. You got to tour every city. You got to be in everyone's face. And every day mm -hmm. people are learning more about the album and, redis you know, discovering it that they haven't heard it. It's like a lot more footwork to do. You know, so for me to put out an album, I want to make sure that it, it, it leaves a big splash as much as it possibly could, you know, and, you know, I don't have a lot of tools. So it's a lot more work than people people know. And, you know, if you look at the videos, I always want to make sure that the videos are top top quality or, or mm -hmm. conceptually something interesting. So, you know, it's just a lot of, you know, editing and producing videos and directing and, and getting directors together and casting and locations and, you know, all of this stuff. And then each time the video drops, you have to push it and promote it. So, and I don't have a team to push those buttons for me, like a big fancy team. So it's like, it's all, all footwork, like all independent, you know, right? slowly, slowly trying to make people gain awareness and this and that. And well, you know, the cards are stacked against us because the machine doesn't like us. They don't want to include us. And like we'll we'll get more clicks than than the other rappers and more attention than the other rappers and, and the mainstream media in, in America for some reason will completely not review it, not not touch it, not write anything, ignore it, not put us on the lists. But what we depend on is the rappers and the fans and the people who who, you know, aren't part of a machine to come out and say, wow, this is the best album I heard all year. Wow, this is the best album I heard in years. Wow, wow, wow. And that word of mouth keeps spreading and spreading and spreading till it becomes undeniable. But it just takes a lot more work to get it out there. So, you know, I don't want to just release uh, release an album. You know, my fan base gets to hear it right away and then release another album and my fan base. You know, I like to keep expanding the fan base and letting people hear of me nonstop. I want new people to hear the records. I you know, I want to get as much people to hear the records as possible, you know? A friend of the show we've had on a few times, uh, Open Mike Eagle, uh, kind of wrote a piece on what it's like releasing an album uh, during the pandemic. You were right on that edge, I would say, because uh, it was, what, April? Kind of like right before uh, shit really went down. So I assume all the, you know, prep work as far as, like, the videos and everything was taken way in advance, like, long before you had to worry about, you know, not being able to be in the same room with people to make a video or record this shit. When, uh, how early uh, was, like, recording on this album? Oh, I've been recording for a couple of years and working on the videos, you know, uh, whenever I was on tour, I'd get a budget together and start shooting a video for something. Okay, you know, because cause with Legends Never Die, I didn't have the videos prepared. So, you know, that's the album before this one that I did. We'd be like, damn, the album's out. We need a video. You know, we need the next video. And we'd be waiting for edits, waiting for effects, waiting for this, waiting for all this shit to come through, waiting for coloring. And then, you know, people would be sitting around and we'd have no product. So this time I said, nah, let's just start shooting videos now. So when the record's out, we could just keep, you know, hitting them in the face with videos, you know. So that worked out for us because my album dropped the same month that the, the you know, pandemic started closing down everything, you know. 
I want to say up front, uh, you are a bafflingly talented artist. You put together lyrics like very few motherfuckers ever have done. Like straight up and down. Like uh, my experience starting like listening to you was um, on the Wu Tang Think Differently. I heard your voice, uh, your verse on Give It Up, and you were doing all these acrobatic lyrical flips of phrases. All of a sudden, you cut off, off the like really complicated flow, and then you hear like everything you heard about me is probably true. Heard I got the AIDS virus. I probably do. And it's just like whoa, who? who the fuck is this guy you know like it just catches you all the fuck off it's like first it's like this lyrical dude and then it's like what in the fuck was that so like <laughs> you know and, and that's the thing that was just like i gotta hear more of this person you know so i want to know like um what got you started rapping and rapping the way that you do and what specifically pushed you into that sort of like horrorcore like aesthetic you know what i mean as a kid there was the whole thing to ban rap music and ban heavy metal mm. music, ban horror movies. And the movie <laughs> Maniac had like the guy, a boner in his pants and a bloody knife and a woman's scalp and all these women's groups were, oh, ban the film. Oh, and people were complaining, oh, I see this picture outside my window on a billboard. This should be banned, banned. Mm. You know, you started going more and more against the grain to try to say, okay, okay, these people don't want us to say this, do this, you know, watch this picture, watch that. Um, so you wanted to go even worse than everybody. Mm. So that's where a lot of that shock value from my teenage years came from was trying to outdo it and trying to smack Tipper Gore in the face with, with you know, with lyricism and, and ugliness and shock. And, you know, if you look at the old clips, there, there was guys like right. He was there fighting for free speech and, and D Snyder from Twisted Sister was fighting for free speech and, and Frank Zappa was fighting for free speech. Yeah, that's it was a yeah. time where, where where everybody fought to be able to say the horrible, horrendous stuff. So I was a baby off of that era of of watching them try to ban all the horror films and like movies and if you look at the history of England, they were banning like Every horror film I loved as a kid, and they were trying to sense everything. So, That's so coming true. off of that and loving hip hop so much, I was like, you know, because I came up on, on uh, you know, the Juice Crew and all these great, great lyricists and rappers, and then and then Just Ice, he's one of the ones that started me on the shock value too. He had a song called "The Original Gangster of Hip Hop." And he, the beginning of the song, he says, this record you're about to hear contains, contains explicit dirty lyrics like fuck, shit, ass, bitch, <laughs> your mother's dick, and all that shit. Hit it, DMX. <laughs> yeah, so, so that was like, wow, he blew my mind with that one. So, uh, you know, so all of that stuff combined, you know? When was that? That was was that before or after um what's them boys, uh Ghetto Boys did their thing? Uh I think it was before. Uh I think maybe Ghetto, Ghetto Boys had a little name in Texas, I'm not sure, but it was yeah. definitely before Ghetto Boys blew up. I think Ghetto Boys was nineteen ninety, because I remember there being a discrepancy about Fresh Prince of Bel Air technically being the first horrorcore rap because he did Nightmare on My Street, you know, which is like the Freddy Krueger, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, you know, uh, Nightmares by Dana Dane was before that. That's true. Yeah. And I, oh, shit. That is so right. You're right. That one. That I think <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, there's a Blowfly rap where he's yeah. talking about Dracula and the cape. Mm. And, you know, you know it, 
there was always a little horror in um and blowfly probably and my guess was that that rap was my guess is 79 80 I, you know i can't say for sure yeah. so i was actually going to ask but you kind of already answered my question there because we've we've talked to um uh nerdcore rappers on the show and i've heard sometimes like there's almost like a resentment against the against the labeling of like nerdcore they want to be like no that's like it's like limiting or restricting we just want to be known as that even mean i don't even know what that means that's like if you're rapping about like video games or you're you're rapping over like eight bit beats that sound like Like video game music or there's one rapper we know like uh her name is samus like She's she raps about video games like in general with like metaphors, but like she'll be talking about real topics and shit, you know. The first thing I remember was didn't somebody rap to the Pac Man beat or one of those shits, Coco Brothers or some somebody rapped to the to the Pac Man beat. If I, I don't remember what it was though, yeah. That's why I was asking about like if the term shock rap kind of feels like you're put in a box, or if if that's just kind of something you've like embraced. I don't do all shock, you know. I have, yeah. I have a couple shock things here, you know. I have that's a couple true, shock true. things there. But even when I was in the the peak of shock, uh, every record label sucks dick had a shocking title because nobody was saying that at that time. Mm. But, you know, I was dropping knowledge on the shit and educating. Right. You know, so, but definitely wasn't on every song. I had songs about, you know, eating eyeballs and shit and, you know. <laughs> You know, when I was a teenager, that was that was just shit, you know. Uh, if you don't mind us getting into something a little bit more serious, uh, one of your verses on uh, Razorblade Salvation was, like, eye-opening when I first heard that shit. Uh, I wanted to ask what maybe inspired that verse. Which one? Which song was it? Razorblade Salvation. It was the one where he's, like, talking about having a, like... You went to the war in Vietnam and then you came back and like your like your kids were like messed up and they had like because of Agent Orange and stuff like that. Yeah, that was uncommon valid. That was based on my father's true story. Yeah. Oh. Oh yeah, wow. That was my father. That was my father. Staff uh, call me Thorburn John A. Staff Sergeant. That was who he was. And uh, yeah, he went over to the war. He he you know they they shipped him enemy territory. Flew him in there. He was the gunner. Four thousand bullets a minute. And he'd go to rescue teams that were uh, on enemy territory and bring them back. And eventually his his helicopter got shot down and, and he ended up in a body cast for, for 10 months. And, and then he came home and, you know, when he was over on, in enemy territories, they were spraying those territories with Agent Orange. And uh, so my dad's kids were born handicapped. My brother couldn't walk or talk. He was blind. My sister oh. couldn't walk or talk. My my my. His grandson, my, my sister's uh, son, he was born. He he died at six months old. My nephew, I mean, my brother who couldn't walk or talk or see, he died at 10 years old. My sister died at uh, 25 years old. So, uh, yeah, so that song's all based on, on real characters, real people, you know. So, Your first solo album, you had requested it to get shelved? And I was like, wait, that doesn't make sense. So I wanted to ask you, like, of course it does make sense. Well, what happened was I, I was I was in a bidding war and, mm. uh, you know, I had nine record labels. Everybody wanted me. Everybody wanted to sign me. I was nicer than everybody. I was a monster. And uh, 
But then I was crazy. I was wild. And me, me and the label wasn't getting along. And I was banned from the building. And, and I wasn't allowed to have meetings at the label. And and half the label hated my guts as a person. So I said, look, let's have a meeting and, and try to work this all out with everybody. Uh, and they're like, yeah, but what if you go crazy or something? You know, so... So I said, you know what? Get me the fuck off this label. Like, you got me sitting here. I'm not allowed to fucking meet. And they're like, no, we still we still got a lot of work to do. We're going to blow it up. And and then uh, then we started this riot at a at a convention and, you know, big riot, 700 people. And it was a big jive showcase. And and then they shut it. They, they, they put me on freeze. And so I said, well, you know, let me go. And then like the other labels were coming to buy my contract out but then jive would give them all this crazy shit about me and 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 tell them oh well you you have to buy the album but then you have to start a new budget and you have to like there's all the shit that they was telling everybody and it got to the point where everyone's like oh they say he's crazy he hates this he does you know so it got to the point where everybody was just like yo don't you can't fuck with him he's too crazy we love his music but he's crazy so you know what once and they were all in bed together at the time. So they all go to dinners together. They all right, go to weddings right. together. They all do everything together, the labels. All the label industry people were. And so it's like uh, uh, popularity in high school type of thing. So when all of a sudden you become the the scary, don't fuck with him artist. And mm-hmm. one machine says, hey, you know, we do a lot for you. Don't do nothing for that kid. Then they all shut it down, you know. So. After the uh, everything fell apart and, you know, I got sued and this and that and all the crazy stuff. And then, I don't know, I, br- I broke a window at the house and they just was like, you know, get out of here. And I really had no money. I had no place to go. So, you know, I was just sleeping, doing the couches thing, you know, at people's houses or something. Oh, okay. I'd sleep, I'd sleep on like a fucking... Um, sleep on a bench and pretend I was like just sitting but sleeping shit like that you know <laughs> I got you and uh again I want to like make it clear like you know if there's anything like you don't want to talk about and want to be like hey that was weird edit that out you know what I'm saying it's fine I mean you know you talk about what you know you can talk about anything there's nothing yeah, really right. I just want to show the utmost respect to you as like an artist that's like fucking you know what I mean like <laughs> well, that's really dope of you because you know uh, most of the time they want to talk about the stuff you don't want to talk about. Uh, and and uh, that's what they want to do. They want to get you to say some fucked up shit that they could take a headline out of. But I, I mean, well, what, what can I say? I'm, I'm, I'm an older guy. I'm, I've said it all in the past. <laughs> you know, like you can't, really, you can't really get me on no gotcha shit. Yeah, and personally, I don't like that anyway. Like I, I'm more of the person who's like, wait, let's actually like, dissect what what was said and like figure out what the truth was instead of like oh well he said this which can be construed as this and that makes him a bad you know what i mean i like to be like wait what was the context of what was happening and you know what i mean do that that's what they do though they look for one fucking sentence that someone might have said at one time and they'll take that sentence and that will forever mark the person's credibility they once said this in 19 19- 50 <laughs> again if you don't mind um talking about uh the issue with the label uh as i was trying to read about you know th- again like th- the interviews where they talk about like uh what happened in it in 94 with da 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 and i was reading about how um uh 
concerning uh, how things became like you having the reputation of being whatever type of wild man you were, it was about like an MTV event where you had like hired some like a woman to like, you know, be put over your shoulder while you were like rapping or something like that. The jive convention that we did was the Bowery Ballroom and the women were fine. That was no thing. They, they, they were actually it was the era when hookers were all through the streets, you know, and, and it's right before Giuliani cleaned it up so you could walk down the block and there was hookers on the street, you know? Mm. So, so I was doing a, a show and I said, hey, girls, you want to come do this concert and, and we'll we'll, uh, we'll duct tape you up and bring you on the stage? And they were like, they were like, yeah, sure. I said, yeah, cool. I said, how much? You know, and they're like, yeah, I have no sex. I said, nah, no sex at all. It's $35. So, so I got $35 each. I got a couple girls. They had, they had a blast. They had a good mm. time. And uh, uh, so that was nothing. That that was not anything there. So I don't know what they were talking about, them women. The problem was, was that there were people in the crowd and uh, somebody had words with us from the neighborhood and somebody had said something. One of them, somebody in the crowd had grabbed the woman and we pulled the woman back on stage. She was fine. And then punches started getting thrown around. You know? And uh, so a fight broke out. And I had this one kid, he was like throwing speakers. He he was throwing speakers at the crowd and the crowd uh, was fucking, fuck. it was a big, like all man brawl riot. It had nothing to do with no no sex or nothing. It went, women were fine. The, the guy at my record label, uh, he got punched in the face. That was fucking hilarious and great. You know, he had glasses on, big nerdy glasses <laughs> and fucking. He was like, yeah, yeah, all right. And, and right from the side, somebody sucker punched, bow, right in the face. And it's funny, too. That night, you know, we started this huge riot. People were outside with weapons waiting for us, all of this crazy shit. Yeah. And uh, the guy that got punched in the face, he had crooked glasses on. He, he's a big A&R guy. And... Uh, I said, yo, that was fucking awesome. This is what makes legends, yo. This is legendary. And he was like, he was like, yeah, yeah. And then the next day he called me, like, you know, I guess he didn't want to say it to my face, but the next day he was like, How dare you do that? You started a riot, ruin the showcase, which which he was right. I did ruin the showcase, you know. <laughs> but if they was acting like it was over something, something it wasn't right. That, that that particular one was a fight, you know. Uh, you know, I don't regret those days, you know, but in this day and age when they're looking for gotcha moments to put on the Internet, it's like, you know, you know, it is what it is. I don't give a shit. That's interesting, too, because, like, I mean, I was just doing an episode about uh, Vanilla Ice and uh, about how he was like 17 when like maybe even 16 when he had first done his first record. And I was just like, really took me back. Like, wow, these motherfuckers were young when <laughs> like y'all were getting I was like, wait a minute. And I started rapping you know, 12 years old, the, the, the you know, 11 years old, but 12, 13, 14, really making an impact and really going from party to party and, and studio to studio. And then by the time I was 15, 16, I was already like a force to reckon with. And they was bringing me everywhere to battle everyone and rock the street corners, rock the clubs, rock the parties. And I was a little kid. And then, you know, I started getting deals around 17 years old. They were throwing them at me. They were throwing deals at me. I was a little teenage kid, you know, and then even as a teenager, they, they'd uh, send limousines out to get me and, and, you know, hookers in the limousines and, you know, buying me fancy steaks and you know like i'm a king you know so it was good times you know i just wanted to fast forward to uh the newest album the title of the album and the cover of the album is so it's very eye-catching like a 90s movie poster sort of way <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah the guy's, name, the guy's name is that the dude designs 
and he's really uh, dope. He's like a, a, an amazing artist, and he d- he does movie posters. So that's that's why awesome. I got him because he does that's these sick. great movie posters, you know. And uh, he, he did the artwork for that hobo in a shotgun movie. But he did a, he did a lot of different. Uh, he did a lot of artwork for a lot of things. He did the, the They Live uh, Blu-ray artwork, which is fantastic. But he, oh shit! He did wow. Ten to Midnight. I mean, he did a lot of really fantastic, great artwork so i hit him up and we talked and made it happen and, and i'm very proud of that album it's my first good album cover <laughs> <laughs> no no i think the fucking the one with the uh all of the guys like uh trying to like kill you with the different weapons that one's fucking oh no that's a great album cover too that was shot by clay patrick with bride that yeah that, but that one was for uh, uh a collection of songs mm. that wasn't a full studio album that was oh. a collection legendary classics volume one which i mean but it's still an album it's it's 20 fucking yeah, yeah. Songs, you know <laughs> but uh yeah I, I love love that album cover yeah well i was gonna ask like it's such a serious title on the face for, for at least the front of the album with like uh legendary loser and um oldies they're more like a little more light-hearted when you're attacking the album like going in were you planning on making something more lighthearted and then just kind of more ideas came to you? Or do you really not have like a specific like tone or feel for the album? It's just like whatever the fuck like comes to you that's going in. No, I, I like to do all my albums with different feels to them. You know, I want to get I don't want everything to be uh, uh, rough, rugged street you know, church orchestra, you know, you know, bam, 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 mosh pit, mosh pit. You know, I don't want every song to be that. I want, I, I want to be versatile. So, um, golden oldies and wondering, they were soft. I know, but I purposely, uh, they were great storytelling. They were simple, but really, um, intricate in the storytelling. So I, I wanted to kind of, put them close to the front just just to say hey look you know and i but i start off with the intro which is like fucking album in one song so i said yeah. okay hit him with the local murder hit him with all the beats hit him with the rhymes hit him go 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 and then uh, um let them know what they're in for for the album and, and tell them give them a little description and then we end on the mental illness and the past and we open up with legendary loser where we go to the story of who this man is. If you don't know, here he is. And then halfway through, it seems like it's going to be one of them self-deprecating records, but then it turns into like an uplifting, positive, save the world, you know, kids, you can do it too type of record. So that's the, that's where we went to. And then mm. from there, I wanted to keep the, okay, we just uplifted him. Let's, let's keep the party going. Let's not go punch anybody in the face yet. Let's keep the party going. <laughs> So that's why we went to the golden oldies where bah, bah, din, 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 din. and then it's a, it's a little bit more storytelling, but it's a it's a party. You're in a house party still. So the whole the whole sequence is of, of the record is, is on, completely on purpose, you know, and then that's why when we go through that little kind of um, that's why I like the album to be heard from front to back and not just a couple songs on YouTube. And then you look for at sure, another one sure. later, like it's sequenced purposely in a certain way. And then we go into a real dark place and it's a song about, you know, death and, and loss and, and, you know, rape and suicide and drug addiction and, and, and loss of a child. It's the song called Wondering. So now, OK, we just depressed the fuck out of the listener. 
but we made them feel. We moved them. So now let's get back to it. Let's go fuck all this shit. Now let's get to the hardcore. Here's the hardcore. Mm-hmm. And that's when we spank them in the face, you know, bow, bow with the with the dragon fire. We bring that high energy, Wu-Tang, Kooji rap, all the legends in and we really smack them. And OK, they're used to it. They're amped up. They're ready to go. And then you go to the next record. All systems go. Now we're going to floss on them with the bars and the style and the, and the you know, so it's it's just there's a lot. There's a lot of uh, a lot to the sequence, uh, a lot more sure. thinking into it than you think. It's not just like, oh. We're going to, you know, it, it, it's like a movie. I was trying to put like a, a feature film together with the entire album, you know? Oh, yeah. It sounded like you were talking about directing it. Yeah. <laughs> we end up reviewing albums on a weekly basis, and I think we're just kind of used to just more of a slapdash kind of feel to it where it's like <laughs> here's a whole bunch of mp3s i'm just going to send them to the producer i don't care what order you put them in so we're more of a like a roller coaster ride on this one you, you got the you got the kind of lulls that kind of build up the the punch of the more uh the more heavy hitting songs so yeah i think that all works uh really well it's very impactful uh the way it just kind of all complements each other i was watching um dead in hip hop and they they did a review of the album and they said that like it didn't it didn't sound like like an old school album and it it doesn't sound like like it doesn't sound dated right but like there's definitely there's definitely a flair there and you could tell it's from someone who's been around the block if that makes sense like i guess the i guess the experience itself just kind of shines through i just wanted to kind of throw that compliment out there you want to give them something that's not stuck in like if you listen to some of the rappers mm. that i up with you listen to their albums and it sounds like a worse version of what they were doing in the 90s mm. you know because the, the 90s isn't here no more so the two inch reel isn't there the warmth the, the, the mm-hmm. producers using those those machines to make the beats uh, uh that's not the hot beat to make so less people are, are going to that th- direction so to get a really great version of that you're not like in 2020 you're not going to get uh they reminisce over you beat anymore you know the, who's going to make a beat at that high level quality of a 1990s track you're not going to get that ever again that's a right, that's right. a same thing like if you listen to some of the classic soul records or, or doo-wop you know you, you hear um uh, Amy Winehouse before she died she was making great, great music but it, but it was an interpretation of all these records that already happened in the 50s and 60s and she's mm. she's never given that sound from that era and it's kind of like when rappers are trying to do the same sound that they did in the 90s it's not going to be as good most of the time you know mm. so what you got to do is you got to give an interpretation of it but at the same time you got to update it and give them you know something that somebody never heard a 90s record in their life could be like wow this sounds like today this sounds current but at the same time you want to keep it hip-hop so I had a lot of elements of, of, you know, a lot of the producers were, you know, my guy Michael Mennard is from Pretty, was originally from Pretty Lights, you know, you know what I mean? So so there was mm. certain produ- production like that, the kick drums. He was doing stuff for more like Machine Gun Kelly and and those kind of, and, and uh, I think um, maybe Kid, 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 Capri, not Kid, uh, what's the guy, Kid, uh, hey, Kid Cuddy? or something like that. I think he was doing those kind of records. So uh, those kind of producers, you're not used to me with that. Um, you know, the guys like Prince Paul and, and, and 
psycho less, you, you, you're used to that with R.A. So, <laughs> so, um, but those records came out brilliant because we brought in a whole nother way to attack it, you know, and the guys came to the table lovely and I don't know, it's, it's a lot of, uh, you just have to update the hip hop. You can't just stay stagnant and, and dr- dream about the past, but you could bring elements from the past into the new, you know, so mm-hmm. you can bring in, you could bring in, uh, um, scratches. You could bring in some of the world's greatest DJs. You could bring Jazzy Jeff into scratch. You could bring Jay mm-hmm. from, you know, uh, uh, EPMD into scratch. You could bring all these great DJs to come in and scratch and, and you know, still keep it current with uh, classic techniques of hip hop, you know? I was just going to mention Prince Paul uh, earlier uh, when I was making that kind of shitty analogy about Forrest Gump. Again, going back to our friend uh, Open Mike Eagle, he does a podcast now with Prince Paul. Yeah, you listen to that and it's like, man, this guy's been everywhere. I'm thinking about like, okay, we're going to be talking about R.A. Shit, he's been everywhere. And then I fucking look at the track list and I see fucking Prince Paul as one of the producers. It's like, all right. And then I listen to it and yeah, like it's got the old school flavor, the, the touch, like an essence to it. But what you were talking about well, modernizing, I'm just going to say this. The, the collection of features you got from people who were, were popping in the 90s, like Wu-Tang and Chuck D and Ice-T. M.O.P. Onyx. Exactly. You've got a crew there of people who, like, it's like an, it's, it's the essential 90s collection of people who could still fucking, <laughs> still fucking go, aren't kind of like falling into the parody Ice T and Coogee rap, those those are eighties. Even they were the eighties. I was just gonna comment on how fucking Ghostface sounds on that one track. I've never heard Ghostface sound like that. I was surprised it was even him. He was like rapping so much faster than I'm used to. I'm trying to do a video for Dragon Fire. I I really hope it happens. I really hope we can make it happen. I talked to G. He said that he might be available in September. I hope that happens. Master Killer is gonna make himself available and. you know, now working on ghosts, ghosts, you know, uh, they seem open. They seem open. We'll see what happens, you know. I wanted to talk about uh, one specific lyric, Stars Born from uh, Die Rugged Man Die. Moved back in with Pop Duke and my handicapped brothers and sisters, we had no loot. That's when the feds came by and surrounded the house. They had automatic weapons and was pulling them out. And the moral of the story is all that glamour and glitch shit, fuck that, I don't need it. And I was like, wait though, but what happened next? I gotta, what? <laughs> <laughs> like how you know, how did our perilous uh, you know hero get out of this one? Well, well, if if you look at Legendary Loser, that's a sequel. Mm. When the house got raided with by the feds and all of that stuff, um, I was innocent. I had nothing to do with it. So you know, it was, they handcuffed my father. They handcuffed my brother-in-law. They came in with the weapons. They they you know put put my pop in the back of the car he was innocent too but uh so they took a, took away my brother-in-law they they came in the house with automatic weapons and dogs and they ripped the whole house apart but no no my, my uh brother-in-law was was a was a, a legal uh gang member and he was you know they arrested him for hiding bodies and conspiracy murders and extortions and all of this shit and he was, you know, he was, he, he still is, but he's married to my sister. So they came looking for him and, and, and his gang. And, uh, yeah, they, they came, they came heavy. They, the whole fucking house surrounded. They, they, like I said, uh, and they took down a whole bunch of them that day, you know, throughout the whole, the whole Long Island. But yeah, they, they came in there. 
And then and then while they were unpacking everything and searching the house and, and, and they, they were listening to the phone and stuff, they, they said to my father, because this is before like this is when weed was looked at even more illegal, you know, now, right, now right. kind of light. But they said, Oh, you know, we hear you, we, we know you smoke your weed and all this stuff and, and my father was like, Well, that's not even how the hell why would you even say that? you know? <laughs> there was a big black guy there that was one of the feds. And it was a time when my father still thought that uh only black guys knew rap, you know? <laughs> he didn't know that, no, no, rap is all over the world now. You know, he thought, no, rap, you know, because when I used to rap, he knew it was only black kids. And you say, hey, yeah, son, yeah. you know, you're a big, fat, white kid. You know, you, you can't rap. Nobody's going to listen to that, <laughs> you know? So so, um, so when the Fed was there, black guy, the one black Fed, he said, hey, hey, yo, you, come, come here, man. You know who Biggie Smalls is, right? And the guy's like, yes, yes. He's like, oh, my son made records with him. Co- co- let me play you this song. And he's sitting there playing the cunt renaissance, the song <laughs> with me and Biggie. <laughs> cunts out. And, like, just because it was a black guy. I'm like, yeah. You know, <laughs> white guys listen to rap too now. You know? <laughs> yeah, the feds must have been like, I ripped your cunts out with spoons. Like, yeah, search the house. <laughs> Might need to do some further investigating. <laughs> Empty but all the silverware. About the PMRC, they were uh, trying to take this music down, weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, when you were talking about uh, videos, one thing I wanted to ask you specifically: um, the one of the first videos that came up was the uh, "Is R. A. the Rugged Man a Feminist?" And I was so curious about this video and just everything surrounding it, and just kind of fl- like looking through the comments, and a lot of people had the same similar questions of like when was this filmed and just like where did the idea come from to film that promo was it even intended to be a promo no it was just a comedy we were just looking for material for the internet and you know my friend knew some some feminists in germany and and we filmed it i think the week before it was when everybody started getting paranoid about corona oh okay uh, and this was like the week before they were having like this big feminist rally and and some people were like, no, you shouldn't go. You know, maybe Corona's real, you know, and and, and everybody. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, if the fucking festival's going on, like, well, you know, I could go to a feminist festival, you know. So I went to it and uh, literally like a week later, the whole country closed down, you know. So, yeah. But no, nah, it was just. We were just having fun. I, and, you know, the funniest thing is you see some people offended that don't even know, uh, don't even know the humor or the, you know, I'm sitting there being a fucking Neanderthal man in the, in the video, like an ignorant Neanderthal man. And they're just, they're, they, they don't know irony or humor. They don't get it, but it's all good. <laughs> Yeah, and, and well, like I mean, at least for me, as I was watching it, it was just like it muted remark that it was like it's kind of reminded me of like an Ali G skit, like but like at the same time, it was just like it didn't come off like a fucking you know Ben Shapiro type of like what are these you know feminist people up to? It was just like oh, but he's actually like letting them speak though. It wasn't anti-feminist at all. It was yeah, uh, yeah. It was having fun with people. We all respected each other and had you know they had their opinions. I have mine. I'm I'm a caveman animal you know and and but i'm a decent human they they knew that my music was garbage to them you know so so <laughs> they, they, everybody was down everybody was open everybody was cool so we had a good time i, I don't think people with the same views a different view and, and you know what i don't have 
total different views from them anyway the ones in the video the people i was talking to i you know they were saying things that i was like oh that makes sense that makes sense you know mm -hmm. so you know but at the same time like i'm sure they wouldn't agree to a lot of my views you know so it is what it is you know i i hate this new era where like everybody has to think exactly the same and if not they're your enemy it's like man everybody's a human being True. everybody's just trying to get by man everybody's just trying to make it mm -hmm. you know but i i do understand the thing is the the internet now exposes how ridiculously ignorant people can get you know right, so you right. have to read like i got this kid who used to be like a wannabe rapper the white boy and and you know he's hey yo 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 when he used to hang out and, and he was a pain in the ass because he wanted to be a rapper always rapping in your ear but you know he was even quite cool so i kind of took him in hey come on it's cool and, and uh he used to bring you know groceries and things to my father when my father was sick and so so you know i kind of made him a little bit close to the family and then after this trump shit he's like a super trump guy and i i let him slash sure oh, fucking trump he, he he's brainwashed whatever you know i'm not gonna hate someone because they're brainwashed but then it's like mm. now it's to the point where like he's on that super pro cop shit and i got to i said look save your racist redneck rhetoric for someone else I don't hear it like honestly <laughs> like at this point i i just i didn't know it went this far where and where you know they're sitting there bad mouthing george floyd like you know that whole rhetoric of how anytime a black person's murdered they'll come in with a million reasons why he deserved to be murdered you know right it's like, right like, and, and george floyd is like the the most undebatable that he shouldn't have been murdered you know right the was, most believed no threat yeah. he was fucking restrained you know this and that and he oh you know and and you know and i got this cousin that's a cop and he was going on rants against george floyd so so, so i went on his page and said you're a fucking disgrace and then he fucking blocked me i'm like oh my cousin blocked me because he's a fucking racist now you know like like this new world people are becoming you're seeing people that you never knew were racist you didn't know it did you, or, or stuff like you, you had no idea and you did, these people that were like a lot of kids i see that were criminals their whole life kids i grew up with in long island that were criminals you know and hated cops and all of a sudden when when, when uh, uh they're coming out talking about black folks being murdered by cops all of a sudden they're the most pro pro cop people you ever seen in your life <laughs> like, the fucking masks mean? off what's all this pro <laughs> cop shit you hate cops you hate cops so and they don't even see the irony of them looking at like a, a black man as a lesser human being uh that deserves to fucking die like like uh uh how that's not just part of the the race ra racism that they claim doesn't exist in america <laughs> you know it's like it's just a crazy time man and yeah the internet you get to see you get to you know hear how uh and see how some people think and it's a little bit disappointing at times like damn you know like this shit is crazy so i, I think muse texted me he was just like yo what uh like yeah what ask him what like dream collabs would he have wanted like what who would he have wanted to collab with and i was like yo yeah that is a good question who have you like wanted to like you know been like damn i need to get that guy you know when the timing is right i'd love to do something with kane big daddy kane i did some with ace mm -hmm. i did some with e rap i did some with craig before so i did the whole symphony except for kane so if i get kane i did the symphony you know <laughs> <laughs> you collected him <laughs> like i gotta, I gotta make sure he's on this <laughs>
you know, Master Ace, I did records with, you oh, know, shit. so, so, yeah. so, uh, but nah, there's so many people I'd love to work with. I'd love to work with LL Cool J one day. And then on, on a more pop tip, you know, I wouldn't mind going in with one of these guys like a Mark Ronson and doing a record and seeing what the mm-hmm. fuck. That, like, I'd like to do some experiment shit. I'd like to, you know, uh, you know, the R&B producer, Dark Child, you, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Jenkins, Rodney Jenkins. I, I, I went to his IG one day and he posted up a beat that he was working on. I was like, damn, like that shit is crazy. So like, I, you know, I wouldn't mind doing like the unexpected collabs. Yeah, that, that, to other people's musical neighborhoods. Yeah. Yeah, which I like to do that. Like when I did did the the, the Hallelujah song with Tech Nine. Oh it yeah, my, it was for my album, but I wanted to make sure it was strange music territory. So mm-hmm. I want I like to move into other territories. So like I would I would like to do something with a Mark Ronson type and see you know what kind of fucking music with, with a producer in there thinking of his own. Because the thing is, I produce and arrange so much of the music on the albums. I, I would like to uh, have somebody come in there and think of a million ideas and try to, hey, try this out, try that out. I, you know, I'm not used to being produced, you know? So uh, I'm, I'm used to doing the, the, you know, my engineer, Chris Conway, he's, he's a little bit of the production here when I do my music too. He's like, he has a lot to uh, say, you know, and it gives a lot of input when we work. So that's dope too, you know? This is where I'm going to have the clickbaity headline of Ari the Rugged Man goes pop and everyone goes fucking bananas over it. <laughs> I knew it. I, I knew it when I saw the video for the look what you made me do. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> you knew it was around the corner. Well, let me tell you something. You know, there was a there was a Miley Cyrus song I did a rap to as well. I should have did yeah, a video. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. The video would have blew up. I just didn't, you know, I ran out of time. I didn't get it done. But, uh, um... Uh, I forgot what the group was called, but they did a beat for Miley Cyrus, and it was like it was like probably her biggest failure out of all her albums. But uh, it was such a hard beat, man. And I was like, I was hitting up the guy that did it, but they didn't get back to me. You know, he was working with Miley Cyrus, so I guess he's like, who the fuck is Ari the Rugged Man? But you know, uh, I think he was the 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 lips. Or so, he had he was some kind of oh, group. Oh, flaming lips. Is that who produced the Miley Cyrus? Holy shit, the, yeah. yeah. The Dead Pets one, right? Yeah, yeah. And they yeah, did this, yeah. the beat for, yeah, Flaming Lips. That's what they called. So so I was hit, hitting them up when the Miley Cyrus one came out. Like, oh, yo, man. I want a hard beat like that. And in fact, I sent the, the hard Miley Cyrus beat to like two or three of my hip-hop producers. Like, yo, give me something with that energy. And, mm-hmm. uh... They all came back with whack shit, you know? I guess it was <laughs> The fucking Flaming Lips are the last people I would expect to be brought up in this interview, by the way. I just love their love their old shit. They are. I know, I know, I know they, they're uh, super known and super respected in their, their world. I just knew that song. What happened was, yo, Miley Cyrus did this song called Do It. Yeah. And, yeah uh-huh. and everybody hated it. And it was like... She just had like slime all over her face, and it looked like cum dripping down on her face. And yes, her, I remember and that. Now. But they gotta put the dick in the pussy. Yeah, yeah, put the dick <laughs> in the pussy. Yeah, that was a song, and it was pornographic and gross. And I just felt like, wow, this is really some dope ass shit. And it felt like some crustified dibs if I was a little skinny white girl, you know. So, so people who I knew that were part of like the punk rock scene and hardcore scene like skateboarder type kids i knew 
uh, I, I didn't like roll with them, but I knew them from the neighborhood and they liked all the like controversial, edgy music. And I saw one of them like, I, they posted the Miley Cyrus video. Like, this is the grossest thing. I can't, I'm like, yo, they're grossed out by Miley Cyrus. These fucking <laughs> high school are like old ass men now, grossed out, offended by Miley <laughs> fucking Cyrus. <laughs> then Miley, uh, uh, disappointed me because uh then she kind of turned on rap and was like oh they yeah talk about i remember that that and i'm like oh fuck you like you were doing hip-hop you were doing all and then you were doing like underground grimy sex hop you was doing like like fucking peaches type of shit like <laughs> yeah and then all of a sudden you're too cool for that and you don't listen to hip-hop because it degrades when it's like yo come on man that was fucked up to throw hip-hop under the bus yeah. after you capitalized on it so that that disappointed me and the girl yeah i notice whenever something doesn't work like there's the pop album if it doesn't do well all right cool i'm gonna do this experimental rock album eh, that didn't work i'll do the country album yeah that didn't work i'll go back so it's very like right, whatever you think you know <laughs> whatever you think is gonna sell and if it doesn't then it's like oh well i didn't want to do it anyway <laughs> like that type of attitude yeah. yeah same thing lord jamal was talking about when when white boy rappers where like if rap stops working for them, they they always switch up to to uh, rock music. Or oh yeah, <laughs> they always fall back on rock music and pick up a guitar. You know, <laughs> I did want to ask um, because I was watching the uh, the legendary loser video, and there's like a I don't know if it's supposed to be a homogenized kind of like just rappers today kind of SoundCloud rapper type look. Or like a six nine specifically type look or whatever that you were like rocking in that video, the fucking like rainbow hair and the grill and shit. When I was on Spotify, and I, I don't know if you know now, but if you like look yourself up on Spotify, the picture that pops up, I gotta ask about this current this current style and how you would describe the style, the fucking like fedora and like the suit jacket, because I saw that and that was. It's it's very eye grabbing, especially for hip hop. So especially it's like, all right, the rugged man's back for seven years, and I saw that, and I was like, oh, okay, that's not exactly the the uh, look I was expecting. So what? It's a fedora hat look. Yeah, uh, that and like the like the brightly colored like big shoulder type type like jacket look. Yeah. Now you know what happened was. Uh... Before my father passed, I was crustified dibs. You know, I was already the rugged man, but I was still, you know, dressing bummy and street and look grimy, gritty. You know, mm. you know the ni- grimy nineties. You know, onyx lowdown, gritty, grimy. You know, you know, right, like I was right. Crustified dibs, dirty, stinky, shitty. You know, like I was still part of that, and I wasn't dressing nice. And uh, my father always had good style even as broke as he was he would always there was something about his style he had style you know so and, and a couple times when he was alive he said hey, son you know you 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 were you, you're a sharp looking kid man you got to dress better you know <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, dad i'm crustified i'm, I'm crusty i'm dirty crusty <laughs> and i don't know after my father passed i think i just slowly transformed into his style a little bit like you know trying to dress a little better and i guess my influence since he was in my mind was you know okay that you know daddy that look like daddy hat kind of it's it's dope daddy looked dope when he rocked that i don't know so i kind of think uh it works you know so uh it definitely stands out yeah like i i, I ain't fucking knocking it i saw i just saw that and it's it's like i know everyone's got like a unique look 
So I saw that and I was like, okay, not what I was expecting, but dope. All right. I'm not going to wear a fucking, you know, a camouflage outfit with a backwards hat for the rest of my life, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Our listener requested album review is Graduation by Kanye West, requested by B. Angelo. This is the I've lost track what number Kanye album this is for us. I think us. it might be like the fourth, because I think we did Yay. Life we of did, Pablo. Yeah, Life of Pablo. And we did one more. We did. What was it called? Just like Yay? The. The, well, the religious album. Okay, yeah, we did the religious album, and we also did the one, the, like, I've got, I, I'm bipolar. Yeah, that's just Yay. Yeah, so Yay, Life of Pablo. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, this is big ol' five. And there are still <laughs> ones left in the discography if people wanted to. Uh, album, like, fucking uh, listener requests. We'll just run the whole damn gamut, because uh, I don't think there are. Why gonna- not? I don't think they're going to get any better, but if we go back in time... Oh, yeah, exactly. Gotta go back in time. Can we just talk and, real quick about the Back to the Future soundtrack songs? Real quick. About what? how they went from two <laughs> banger classic... Where's this coming from? Huey Lewis and the News tracks for Back to the Future 1 and 2. We got fucking uh, the power of love and then we got fucking gotta go back in time and then they just fucking got ZZ Top for Back to the Future 3 can we just talk about how much of a step down of a fucking downgrade that was <laughs> oh come on don't be hate- <laughs> double Look, just back again uh, I mean I can't name any after legs but uh <laughs> oh, everybody girl crazy about a shop dress man come on you know Oh, uh, they all Come sound on. the yeah, same. They, they, they write up there with like, you know, 38 special, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> the hold on, Lula, you know, the 80s rock, you know, with the with the little reverberation going on, you know what I mean? It's got that southern twang, just a little bit. Not yeah, enough to make you think it's country, is, but... It's still popping off, you know? Maybe some George Thorogood. Mm-hmm. Anyway. But, uh, let, let's get into it, let's get into it. Yeah! Um... Now, for 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 me, my my history with Kanye West was always kind of like I remember it like he was one of those guys that my sister was into first. Oh, so it was kind of like you know, I was like I want to listen to like that guy. He's probably whack, whatever. Like you, you know, <laughs> and then I like I listened. I was like, oh. I guess he's not too bad. And, you know, I remember my sister, like, you know, talking about him, like, yeah, he's, like, one of those guys that, like, in the pantheon of, like, you know, the rappers at the time, like, he's the guy that, like, you know, obviously didn't get, like, a, you know, girls in high school, and now this is, like, his revenge, you know? Like, you get that personality from him. And my sister said that, like, all the way back then. Oh, wow. <laughs> Fucking picked up on that right and, away. Very perceptive. It was like it was, like, him, Lupe, Fiasco, oh, you know what I'm saying? Like, those yeah. type of guys that are, like, oh, yeah, here's, like, the, you know, it's cool to, like, mainstream because like these guys are kind of like elevating it you know mm-hmm. almost b.o.b before he took a fucking yeah you know he, he was like a little bit in there at the <laughs> the last part of the two uh, the uh, the 2000s yeah before oh boy <laughs> it is it's sad how that story ended <laughs> yeah yeah i got the magic in me 
I got the magic baby. Remember that one? Yeah, I do actually. That was one of the few ones where I actually really liked. Uh, all the other ones of Bob was always like to me kind of. All the other singles were always kind of like this is just a four radio single. Like I remember he was one of those ones where when I was listening to like you know going to sohh.com or whatever to like <laughs> you know see see what people were talking about the new hip hop or whatever like you know the early days of like being a teenager and going on you know hip hop websites or whatever. And, yeah, I remember seeing the I'll Be in the Sky video or something like that and be like, oh, yeah, you know, this guy's kind of interesting. He, he very clearly listens to a lot of, uh, you know, Andre 3000. And, you know, but we're <laughs> going to hear, like, what that sounds like when he's, like, able to go off on his own. Yeah, you know, that's kind of cool. And then he just became a generic, you know, Southern, like, rapper, but just making, like, the sort of generic. You know, because you remember that So Good song? Like, by that point, it was just like, oh, this, this is just what he does now. <laughs> <laughs> they really like, tried though there didn't they they fucking put him with he- uh Haley williams and eminem yeah, on, first. on airplanes and then they put rivers cuomo on fucking yeah, you magic know, to challenge you know they, they knew he had the quirky angle going for him you know what i mean oh yeah he's got that yeah he's got that crossover appeal yeah he, they're trying to put him on that uh, uh travi mccoy you know gym class heroes level you know what i'm oh, saying oh man yeah yeah Going back to Kanye, Ka- Kanye right, right, right. West. But yeah, you know, so yeah, you had your Lupe's, you had your Kanye's, uh, Jay-Z was kind of like, it, it's not that he was like specifically of that ilk, but it was like, he was such like the distinguished guy who had been around so long and he was very clearly like helping these guys be that next level that like, you know what I mean? He He's kind of included in that too at the time, you know? Jay-Z casts a real big shadow on this album, specifically yep. as you get near the end and you hear like, you yep. know. The, the conflicting feelings he has about Jay-Z. <laughs> Very strange, yeah. And, yeah, and, and it gets kind of interesting, like, uh, you know, there's one or two lyrics where it's just like, wait, I thought it was this way, and then, like, he, I found this Jay-Z interview where he, like, cleared it up, and it was just like, well, that kind of makes Kanye look like a dick for, like, making it look that way then, but we'll get into it. <laughs> so this was basically my introduction to Kanye, and I wouldn't listen to his previous albums until a good bit later, because... For me, at the time, and as I've mentioned on the show before, 2008 Muse was a bit of an elitist purist Mm. when it came to uh, the rap he decided to listen to, and Kanye was far too uh, mainstream. Mainstream He was too good. Talking about the chains in their polo shirts. (laughs) Boo! I'm over here listening to fucking Karis One and Immortal Technique, and I can't be bothered with anything talking about anything less than real life shit, man. Ugh. Anyway. Uh, with that said, I wish I would have given this album, um, a fair, a more fair shake, uh, at the time, because I did actually, uh, thoroughly enjoy, uh, this album for the most part. There might only be one song on this whole damn album that I didn't enjoy. Yeah, like, there's, like, one or two for me, but, um... Uh, would you like to wager a guess as to what uh, my oh, uh, is lowest... it maybe Drunky Hot Girl? <laughs> uh, yeah, yep. That song is Garbo. You can skip that one all together. Especially when you're going from Barry Bonds to Flashing Lights, you can skip over Drunken Hot Girls. So weird. Okay, so you ain't missing shit. Here's my thing. Okay, so I, I growing up listening like I'm. I watch music videos all the fucking time. Like, this was yeah. around the level where, where, like, you know, I come home from school and I'm just watching music videos, you know, my homework be damned. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so, 
I, I would see like his videos come on. And I remember like, so in 2004, 2005, I'm like a peripheral sort of like, oh, I, I'll watch the like main singles, but you know, I'm not really like listening to him mainly. Like that's my sister's favorite rapper right now, mm. you know? And then by the second album, I remember it was like the workout uh, video was like so fun and like, you know, it was like a <laughs> yeah. long form video and I'm like a sucker for like long form videos. Like, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? So I'm like, oh, I want to see this. And oh, it's got like Anna Nicole Smith and all these celebrities. And I'm like, oh, this is so cool. Like, and you know, it, it, and it's cut in a way where you're just like, is there an even longer version out there or something like that? <laughs> like, you know, they're just cutting to certain bits. You know what I mean? So yep. it's like engaging on that level. And then... I remember seeing the music video for Can't Tell Me Nothing. Like, he, I remember that being the first single that he dropped. Or, like, the first one he made a music video or something like that. And, like, the fact that it was so, like, not a, like, you know, planned for radio type of single where he was just, like, you know, confessing things and talking about, like, you know, how he felt about religion and all these sorts of things. It was just sort of, like, whoa, like... You were willing to do that. And, you know, maybe it's because you're at a level of fame that you felt comfortable that you could do that. But just the fact that you did was, like, the thing that just, like, slightly made my eyes open a little bit. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, like, you, you, you're you challenging us right now. You know what I mean? Like, and uh, and then, of course, I remember it having all the, the, the ad-libs by Young Jeezy all over it. Because <laughs> that was around the time where, like, Jeezy was at his height. It was like, God damn, Jeezy's so big. He's appearing on... His ad-libs are showing up on other people's songs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. My nigga, I give money. <laughs> My uh, second least favorite cut would... Have to, unfortunately, according to Genius, when Kanye was asked what his favorite uh, songs on the album were, uh, this was one of them, but it was my second least favorite cut, and that's I Wonder. Um, no, I like. I only find it, like, I, I remember at first listening to it and not finding it as engaging because, like, it is that belabored flow, I've been waiting for this, <laughs> like, get to the point. <laughs> I was not a fan of that choppy flow. Um, I think the second half, where uh, where he really switches it up, yeah, and, and the even... violins and stuff start to really. Come oh in. yeah, I mean, I, I I even wrote this down. Do you even remember what the issue is? Are you just trying to find where the tissue is? You can still be who you wish you is. It ain't happened yet, and that's what intuition is. When you hop back in the car, drive back to the crib, run back in the arms, the smoke screens, the chokes and the screams, you ever wonder what it all really means? That's fucking good, man. That's yeah. dope. But then, that fucking random ass, how many ladies in the house? Right. How many ladies in the house without, without a spouse? spouse? Something in your blouse got me feeling yeah, aroused. So uh, that could fucking <laughs> go. Like his fucking 1980s standing in front of a brick wall comedian trying to do crowd work. <laughs> that And that uh, is my problem with Kanye. How many ladies in the house? You know, yeah. it's the fucking Kanye-isms. Where it's, it's so like cheesy. One or two times, like, he needs someone to tell him, like, you're funny, you're not that funny. <laughs> yeah, you had him, dude. That second verse was great. If you could have, if you would have just left it off right there. <laughs> There's a couple points in the album that, uh, that I felt that way, and I'm just gonna rewind a little bit. I'm just gonna say I don't think "Good Morning" is that great of an opening cut. With what he does and how it like sort of, uh, I, I guess in that sort of insane clown posse way of like we're setting up this concept, but it doesn't really pay it off. But it's still sort of like a general theme of you know something that goes throughout the album, right? Or goes throughout his career. The idea of like going to school and being late and then graduating and like 
this song being the payoff of that, right? Like of being like, hey, you know, you you went to college and this is the thing you were supposed to do, and did it really help you just by nature of it being college? And it's being the the metaphor of I've made it and I'm out on my own. You wouldn't know it <laughs> at the time, but this really would be the um the last album of this Kanye, I would say. Yeah. Originally, it was supposed to, like, after this, he was supposed to do an album called Good Ass Job, which was supposed to be like the, oh, this is what happens after you graduate. You're supposed to get a good ass job. You know what I'm saying? Oh, man. And then we just never got that. Yeah, well, because, you know, he got his heart broken by, uh, you know, uh, a, a model or two or something. <laughs> he, got, he got fucking bleach on his t-shirt. Oh, no. Now you know the rest of the story but yeah going into it like i mean uh, this is the song with the line you know the, i'm like the fly malcolm x buy any jeans necessary and it's like one of those things like i guess that's a nice play on words but that just feels so like a bit of a step down from the person you're talking about <laughs> you know like <laughs> yeah. isn't it cool that i'm really well dressed it's like well but you're bringing up malcolm x so now i'm thinking about his principles and stuff <laughs> you know <laughs> I'm just looking at it as a context of, like, it's kind of a boring song. Mm. Like, I think it's all right. Um, Lyrics-wise, I think it's fine. Especially in terms of, like, like when it gets to that last part, and the only thing they really added is to the, you know, hustlers, that's if you're still living, get on down. And it feels a little like, I don't. it feels like it's just something to do to have a, a, a yeah. sample in there. I like Jay-Z. Jay-Z is my friend. I'm doing an homage to him by having this beat in here at the beginning instead of it actually feeling like, you know, it directly fitting with what's happening. You know what I mean? Like, you have to bend your brain a bit to figure out, like, wait, what does the hustlers have to do with this? Is like, well, I guess, like, if you're... If you're a hustler in college, I mean, you're probably doing fine anyway. You're still alive if you came out of college, but okay, whatever, <laughs> you know? The little things about this track are what really set it apart for me. Um, I don't know if this was the intention, but there's like a clack noise in the background and the beat, and it kind of reminded me of like the ticking of a clock. And I like how kind of spacey yeah, it's, the track sounds. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like the ooh on the chorus. That sounds really cool. I like the feel of the track. It just doesn't necessarily get me excited for the album is the thing. If the album ended and then wrapped around to this one, it would feel like, huh, compared to everything else I listened to, this is a little simple. Yeah. If this is the graduation... Or maybe it's supposed to sound cold and lifeless, like, oh man, this this wasn't what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> hey, you know what? Or yeah, like the... It's over, but I'm not really happy about it. Kind of feeling. Who knows? The good morning. I don't. I don't know why he does it like that. <laughs> Are you bending that like in expectation for the rhyme that you're doing here? Good morning. Look at the valedictorians. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Well, they're scared of the future while I hop in the DeLorean. Scared to face the world, complacent career student. Some people graduate, but be still stupid. They tell you read this, eat this, don't look around, just peep this, preach this. Teach us, Jesus. Okay, look up now. They don't stole your streetness. After all of that, you receive this. Good morning. Yeah. I love that. It's like you receive this, like this piece of paper, but also like this wake up call, you know? The first day of the rest of your life, so Mm. to speak, you know? But it also means like, yeah, there's like a whole bunch of like responsibility that you're now going to be met with. Like, wait, was I? 
am I have I actually been prepared for this? <laughs> yeah. Oh fuck, this got here a lot faster than I anticipated. Maybe. Like, I mean, that, that's a good point. I immediately started thinking of that song from the Coup uh, on the last album we reviewed. They won't teach you how to get the fuck out the ghetto, of course. <laughs> you know, yeah. like they're like they'll teach you this, but not things that you might actually like materially need in the moment. As you know what I mean. So yeah, like I, I do like that sort of the challenging of the norms that that his music sort of inherently has in it, especially with the first three albums as that running theme, you know, especially like since in, you know, the, the 2000s, that was like this sort of level of like, yo, not all black people are just like, you know, on some gangster shit or whatever the fuck, you know what I'm saying? Like some kids are in the hood and just want to like fucking do their homework and keep their heads down and like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> they like hip-hop and all that shit, too, but it's just like, I'm not fucking, you know, doing all that shit. Now, maybe I'm not wearing a fucking pink polo, but <laughs> I think that's what it is. It's like the vulnerability of, like, the middle-class blackness that Kanye West represents, but it's also, like, the blindness to, like, maybe what's really going on that that, that middle-classness also kind of, like, brings with it, especially as you get later on, you know? <laughs> Champion is the first cut of the album that... Do you realize... <laughs> like, it feels like the album opens up. <laughs> yeah, it really is like, okay, now that that's out of the way, here's, like, here's the fucking feel of the album. And this uh, this is a theme throughout the album, for better or worse, of you've got a sample and it plays, like, throughout the whole song to where it gets... Almost a little distracting because it keeps Wait, going. You're not gonna switch this up at all, like <laughs> when someone raps over a sample with lyrics, it messes with my okay, ears. You know I can't what really song focus. I can't listen to? Uh, mm. The Black Sheep song, "This or That." Oh, that you could do with this, or you could do with that. Because whatever they're rapping, because someone is like, "Yeah, come on, what do you mean? Yeah, come on!" <laughs> and I'm like, "What? Stop! I can't." <laughs> But I do really like this track, um, and I wrote down here the um, the second verse, which I think is a little stronger than the first one. The first verse is about how uh, he's got this admiration for his dad, and how, you know, we didn't have much, but he fucking, you know, we did the best with what we had. The second verse, though, um, when to feel like living harder than dying, for me giving up way harder than trying, yeah. Lauren Hill said her heart was in Zion. I wish her heart was still in Ryman, because who the kid's going to listen to, huh? I guess me, if it isn't you. Last week I paid a visit to the Institute. They got the dropout, keeping the kids in school. I guess I cleaned up my act like Prince do. If not for pleasure, then at least for the principal. They got the CD, they got to see me drop gems like I dropped out of P.E. That's a really great solid-ass verse. Right? <laughs> like, I really went back and listened through that. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> They do cheapen it, in my opinion, with the, this is a story of a champion, runners on the mark, and they pop the... I didn't like <laughs> yeah. the singers. That kind of made it feel like, all right, I wasn't a huge fan. Like, it was one of those instances of, like, you could have stopped while you were ahead, and it would have been great, but you kept going and kind of ruined it. But you know what it is for me? Like, because up to that point, there, it, it was kind of annoying that that had been repeating so much. I was like, okay, okay, we got something switching it up, <laughs> you know? That is but true, it yeah. It does feel a little, like... In, it doesn't feel in junction with the actual original, like, beat of what's happening, you know what I mean? And then Stronger, which I, 
that was one of those things to me which just like hit at the right blurred moments of like like Kanye knows Daft Punk too and you know like, <laughs> and yes that song is awesome and he actually like transformed it into like something different like if I listen to that Daft Punk song and I listen to it it's two different experiences you know what I'm saying like he actually really enhanced it I mean, yeah, he did use the Daft Punk dude, so maybe there's a bit of that there, but <laughs> but the point is... <laughs> it, it's Kanye and Timbaland, and Timbaland has a pretty good track record. Yeah, it's kind of hard to go wrong. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he has a couple times, yeah, but... and it's a little baffling when it does happen. <laughs> this one, yeah, he absolutely did not miss. It is a completely new experience, um, especially in 2008, where people were just straight up lifting choruses exactly. from he was like, old okay, songs. let's show him how to do it. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm just gonna go ahead and say, fucking Stronger is a goddamn classic. Yeah. Um, I really wish it didn't have a homophobic slur in it, because yeah. it's so much fun otherwise. Like, it, it was one of those things, I remember someone saying to me, like, uh, and it was around this time, I was like, hey, you know, is I, I hear Kanye West is like, you know, he's a pretty cool guy. He's like a lot more progressive than a lot of other rappers. Like, I hear, you know, he's like kind of the most feminist rapper. And I was like, ah, maybe progressive hey. than more rappers? I wouldn't say. Because <laughs> like literally the first thing that popped into my head was that lyric. And I was like, well. <laughs> In 2008, let's just go ahead and say it. The bar was kind of low. <laughs> by By not saying bitches in a song right. all, all of a sudden he's more progressive than all the other rappers because he, he doesn't say bitches and hoes in his songs like wow like all right is that where we're, is that really where we're at but like are you looking at like the intentions of what he's saying <laughs> yeah that, that's really what it is you know mm-hmm. it's the more subtle uh uh toxic masculinity here <laughs> yeah um but man other than that my only complaint is that um this album version is a little long. Uh, you think so? It repeats a bit, and the and it's like the beat could have cut off way sooner. Like it's just really, it just goes. For me, it's one of those. It's one of those. I, I just like letting it ride out. You just hear okay, <laughs> okay, and that could be partially because you know the hype of the moment and seeing the music video and how you know high budget it was and shit. You know the Akira references and shit. You know what I mean? I will say I don't really mind the beat. I was just like, man, I wish... It's, it's those instances of, like, you got a whole lot of real estate here, and I wish you would have done something with it. He, and here's what I'll say is wrong with Kanye from a lyrical standpoint on these albums. Like, he thinks he's such a fucking funny man when he's not that funny, <laughs> right? Like, it's right. like, I know you're talented, but that wasn't really that funny, and it wasn't worth the amount of time that you're making me have to sit here and listen yeah. to this, like, bad joke. You know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, there is a lot of times, like, there are a couple times where it's like, the what the beat is doing feels like it should be a lot more epic in what you are lyrically giving me like on stronger yes you know there's a lot of good lyrics but yeah when it gets to the the, the klondike and the it's just like is this the lyric that should be going over this epic sounding stuff just how you're drunk and how you're gonna get any girl you want i mean okay the, you know like you're referencing akira which is about like being a god and all the epicness of, that that you know entails and this is all you're doing? <laughs> you know? It's one of those yeah, things. Yeah. I, like, I can definitely see fa- that. I think that's what it is. Like, I remember hearing the, the Stronger song and, like, really enjoying it. And then when he does the me likey and going into the second verse, that's when it started to be like, me likey? Like, what? Good Life. I feel it was a great single. <laughs>
I have written down here that this might be the most 2007 sounding thing. Right. It so sounds like that, like that, that Timbaland, very boxed. Like, I, I don't know. There's a certain sound Timbaland had at that time. You know, the Icebox song and this. And it's just very, like, very tight and controlled mechanical sort of feel. You know what I mean? I mean, just T-Pain alone on and, it. And yeah, like, just T-Pain. <laughs> If you opened a time capsule that was buried in 2007, this is what plays when you open it and you look at all the fucking artifacts from the time. Like, this encapsulates the sound, the feel, just the attitude of the time perfectly. And I'm 100% here for it. I think it's a great single. Yeah. It's fun. Again, you kind of have to turn your brain off for some of the lyrics. (laughs) Oh, yeah. They say I talk with so much emphasis. Ooh, he's so sensitive. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I didn't hate it too, too much, but yeah, I totally understand and agree that, yeah, sometimes it's just not worth it. Um, so yeah, Good Life, definitely a sunshiny, bouncy track. T-Pain is one of those guys who's like, I never really hated him that much from the jump, but there is that like, especially when you're younger, like, oh, this guy gets overplayed while well, I don't like him. But, like, you know, I remember even hearing this song and being like, I mean, come on. <laughs> Look, don't you hear? He's sampling fucking PYT. Come on, you can't hate that. <laughs> it kind of becomes a trope of Kanye's. Uh, and I saw somewhere it was referred to as uh, Chipmunk Soul. Oh, yeah. He used to do that a lot when he started off. Mm-hmm. Old R&B sample. And it, it, it comes up later on the album. And you fucking pitch correct it where it's like this high pitched thing. The fucking PYT uh, sample, as far as I know, to, to my knowledge, it's the earliest example I'm aware of on the Michael Jackson song. I wanna love yeah, there's that, there's the Shaka Khan. There was a couple of Jay-Z songs that he produced where, yeah, I think the H to the is a, you know, like, uh, oh, yeah, but I, like, I, I think that one didn't have the actual Jacksons. Well, I guess if you kept the little, oh, like at the very end, you know, <laughs> the glory, that was the one that has more of the chipmunk. Yeah, take it to the glory, I can't stay. and oh, you're so right, man. I remember listening to that song and being like, I understand hip hop sample stuff and repeats it, but like, that's really all you had? <laughs> like, <yeah. laughs> But yeah, okay, so then we get to Barry Bonds. And I remember originally not liking this song. And I, don't I think it love might have it. also been my like, you know, dislike of Lil Wayne at the time. So it just kind of yeah. felt like, oh, here's the guy who thinks he's the best rapper again. Oh, when I get twenties and when the Reagan's on the hundreds, I will have them. Oops, I meant have them. See, I I messed up the word so I could rhyme it. It's a very cheap thing. I do it like 15 times in this one verse. You know? It's just like... It's not a very strong Wayne sample, no. Or Wayne feature. (laughs) And just like, the fact that when he first starts, he rhymes shady with shady. (laughs) Mm. This is like... And it's like, okay, the lyric is, I'm so bright, not shady. My teeth and my eyes so white like shady. It's like, that wasn't worth it. (laughs) You know? Like... Like, the only thing that was worth is like, oh, get it, bright, not shady, huh? And his teeth and his eyes are white, like, there's no rhyme, he's just saying shady again. You get it. it, You know, it's just such a, like, disappointing opening line. Like, when it comes to, like, Kanye, I actually 
really enjoy him on the song. The life of a dawn, lights keep glowing, coming in the club with that fresh shit on, with something crazy on my arm. And then as you're hearing the drum do the, he's doing the, I love that. It's just like the introduction, <clears throat> and here's another hit, Barry Bar, and then you hear the bar and the little <laughs> like the epic. I was like, huh, this is kind of fucking cool. But yeah, when he comes back in, just with the dude, <laughs> fresh off the plane, Kanichiwa, bitches. <laughs> Um, I don't think we have to mention Drunken Hot Girls featuring Most Def. You know how you mentioned, like, you hate how when it sounds like someone else is talking while, like, the beat is going? Yeah. That was a thing that annoyed me so much about this song, listening to it. Because, like, as you're listening, it's just like, uh, especially the, the, we go through too much just to mess with. In the background, you're hearing, like, the, and I found out it was, like, this sample of this other song that he was using. And, like, the original word is, like, drunken hot ghosts or something like that and he was just like well it sounds like drunken hot girls to me so i'm just gonna like not just sing what i think it sounds like but play the original thing while it's happening and it's just like it it just fucks maybe in some production that can sound cool but here it just there's so much little happening everywhere else that all you could pay attention to is like the sample like every now and then there's a little like that comes in but it's like it feels a little like a little too too little too late with this track you know what i mean like on one level like oh you know it's like oh this is what guys like me have to deal with just to get a little you know i'm just trying to get a little play and all these women just making it difficult you know (laughs) but it's just like how was you just you just sound like a douchebag. <laughs> it's not like he hides it, you know? Like, he's like, I don't want to drop your friends off. I just want you, you drunken hot girl. And then we get Everything I Am featuring DJ Premier. Yeah. Everything after Drunken Hot Girls is like a victory lap after the most undeserving song. <laughs> it's, the, it's the worst song on the album. And then it's almost like Kanye was like, Oh, fuck, that song was really whack. All right, I gotta hit him with five really good songs <laughs> all in a row as penance for that last cut. Hopefully, they'll forgive me. Well, you know, I, I actually don't enjoy everything I am as much. Really? Yeah, I, again, I feel like, the uh, you know, production's a little, like, you know, on just, like, the... This, the simplistic side for what they're doing, but it's like, okay, you for know... For DJ Premiere. Yeah, like, if I hear a typical DJ Premiere track, like... Straight up, if you hear DJ Premier in the wild, it, it's just like immediately sort of like, what? Why does this sound like this ancient, you know, musical piece that's been unearthed? That like, you know what I mean? Like, who, which fucking Beethoven uh, composer wrote this early? You know what I mean? Like, that's what <laughs> hearing his production always sounds like. And it felt a little like cut up and unfinished here. You know what I mean? Like, I wanted to forgive that for the fact that it was trying to be serious. But then when you hear Kanye's verse, again, he's not taking it that serious. Like. Uh, when, when it gets to the second verse, like, you know, you're hearing these very, like, serious piano chords, dum, 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 you know what I'm saying? Everything sounds, like, very important, and then, by the time he, at the end of the second verse, he's like, uh, uh, so say goodbye to the NAACP award, goodbye to the NDRE award, they'd rather give me the nigga please award, I'd rather just take the I got a lot of cheese award. It's just, like, so, like, just 
like the, the face palm of like you really thought that was the end of the verse <laughs> that's true because I, I was about to say like i don't really mind that but yeah for it to have that much emphasis yeah like on it right before the chorus of like Damn, here we go again. Like, oh, beleaguered Kanye. And I just talked about how I have way more money than you. You know, like, it just doesn't sound like he's really thinking about it, you know? And again, like, and I want to give him the props again, because in the third verse, where he goes like the, he says, uh, I know people wouldn't usually rap this, but I got facts to back this. Just last year, Chicago had over 600 caskets. Man, killing some whack shit. Oh, I forgot, except when niggas is rapping. Do you know what it feels like when people is passing? You know, I really appreciated, like, a lyric like that. Cause it was just like, holy shit. Like, breaking the fourth wall of, like, no, when people rap this, like, gang shit about, like, oh, fucking 50 Cent songs, where it's like, I'll still kill, and I'm gonna waste all the niggas on my block, and all this type of shit. It's just like, man, th but this is real, though. <laughs> like, illustrating versus glorifying. You know, because on one hand, it's like, well, the reason why we're saying this is because this is really what's happening, so we ain't trying to, like, sugarcoat that shit. But at the same time, it's just like, but it feels like you're glorifying it if all you're doing is talking about that and how cool it is, you know? Now, I'm the type of person who's like, I do feel like, if you are clever enough, you could bring something to it, but... I do feel like the best artists, or at least the artists that I care about the most, can do that shit and still give it the weight that it deserves. Like, and still make you feel that like, okay, yeah, I'm clever by being able to lay this out, but don't think that this is a light life that is fun. Like, there is a reality to this. You know what I'm saying? Like, rappers who are really good can do that, I feel. Like, in the same way that, like, you know, Vanilla Ice, MC Hammer, if you look back in their history, hey, they were actually a little bit more hardcore than you thought they were. But that doesn't mean that they were good at relaying that. You know what I mean? And relaying the reality and the weight that comes with the topics from rappers of that day who were doing it well. You know what I mean? I gotta give a shout-out real quick, um... Because you reminded me, there was a video I saw done by uh, Polygon, the YouTube channel, uh, talking about video games based on the movies of which posters you had up on, in your college dorm. Hmm. Uh, specifically, though, about Scarface hmm. and how Scarface and the the world is yours, Tony Montana from fucking Rags to Riches, that is kind of adapted in a lot of hip-hop like oh, of the course. image i mean there's a rapper named scarface for god's sake and the thing is he's actually one of the more clever rappers <laughs> like you would think the guy who named himself scarface would be one of the most generic but he's actually one of the smartest ones <laughs> but the thing about the video game that and and about rap music most of the time when it deals with a lot of the same things compared to the movie tony lives <laughs> in the game yeah, and he just gets to be a badass who shoots everyone. <laughs> yeah, that's with very no clearly missing the point. <laughs> yeah, and when you listen to rap, it's like it's almost the same thing of like, yeah, all this with no consequence. It's like I think you missed the last two minutes, <laughs> right? I remember. Did you just decide to shut it off? I remember right that then? being such a like trope, and like uh, you know, in the mid two thousands, that was when like the shit was at its height. Everyone wanted to be like Scarface Mafioso all the time shit, and I remember thinking like. Everyone would always, like, you know, in my household, I grew up with Godfather and, and Goodfellas, and everyone always referenced Scarface, and that was the one I hadn't seen. I was like, oh, well, let me see that one. And then, like, watching and seeing that he died at the end, I was just like, well, why does everybody want to be this guy? He very clearly <laughs> couldn't handle his shit and failed. We're in the home stretch, and speaking of home... Oh, yeah, can we t can uh, we go off again? Ah, <laughs> uh, I miss the old going off, the when they would actually stay on topic for more than five minutes going off. The Glory featuring John... Dude... Is there a sing? Well, mm, 
Damn it. I was just gonna say, is there a single bad feature on here? But then there's that fucking Wayne sample and the most depth sample <laughs> back to back. Fucking John Legend, I really like him on here. Um, like I really like Chris Martin on the fucking chorus of um, Does he do that Homecoming. much though? It's just I can't stand it anymore. Oh I can't stand it anymore. Oh it's like He doesn't no, I just think it sounds cool. <laughs> you know it's one of those like you got John Legend just to do that? <laughs> And he also does drop his second homophobic slur of the album in this track, which is unfortunate because it is a really good track in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I really like his second verse. Ka- Kanye is the fucking second verse kid, man. Like he'll set it up in the first one, mm. but then he'll fucking like the, if if the left don't get you, <laughs> the fucking right one almost always does. Like oh shit, man, he didn't have my full attention yeah, at yeah. first. But fuck, man, now he does. Can we just talk about goddamn Chris Martin? We fucking reviewed Viva La Vida on this show. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and say probably a couple years ago at this point. It might not have been that long ago. Maybe like eight years ago, yeah. God, this is the fucking... Isn't it? Because now we got Chris Martin on this fucking... No rock music listening ass me, like, knew who they were and, like, some of the songs. You know what I mean? Like... (laughs) And I hate to already just kind of sidestep homecoming but we'll we'll fucking get get to it in a second but in uh in the next track uh big brother kanye mentions that jay-z did a song with coldplay and yeah. i'm not familiar with that what was that isn't that the um okay my brain is confusing the lincoln park thing he did which in my mind oh, always the crossover like, album huh yeah yeah but in my mind, I always remember being like, um, yeah, but that would mean he did that before you decided to do a collab with a rock artist anyway. So what are you talking about, Kanye? Like, unless he did, I mean, it was like 2003, 2004, maybe it's like right after, but it's not one of those things where it's like, this Kanye song sounds so similar to a Jay-Z song. You know what I mean? Like, it's not one of those things that like mattered. So when he brought it up, it did feel like one of those like, oh, what? why do you care about that? <laughs> you know? And also, I, like I said, I'm not even familiar with the fucking Jay-Z song. I remember, like, being disappointed by this song, because it's basically, I think it's just, like, the Coldplay song, and then it's just, like, he has a random verse on it that kind of feels mismatched, and I think he kind of did it after the Linkin Park thing kind of, like, you know, mm. popped off. And so I was like, oh, I guess, like, let's do it again? I don't know. It's not clear which collaboration was made first, but Jay-Z's Beach Chair beat Homecoming to Market when it was included on Jay-Z's Kingdom Come. Oh. Yeah, you see what I mean? <laughs> Where it's like, so it was a song called Beach Chair? Yeah, like, I don't even fucking remember that. <laughs> no. <laughs> that, and I was like, that wasn't even a single. I think like, wasn't like Beyonce was on that or something like that. It's from like the Kingdom Come album that wasn't, like, it, that album wasn't even like that big. That song wasn't even a single. And so it's like, for you to be like, to bring that up as if that's like something that like got you in your feelings is so just like a, It was a fucking slight. Yeah, it's just like, why? <laughs> You're literally the only person still talking about that song, Kanye. Yeah, the, I, I think it was just like, and, I, and that it just shows how much, little it mattered because when I had first heard about it, I was thinking of like a Jay-Z song that he, I was probably thinking of the Linkin Park shit because I was just like, wait, who's that guy again? Yeah. <laughs> he did a song with the guy from Coldplay. Oh, is that, wait, I haven't listened to Linkin Park in a while. Which song was it? <laughs> You know what I mean? Like they were, like they were on my radar, but I wasn't like thinking, thinking about them. And especially like releasing this, like this is a hip hop album that hip hop people are gonna be listening to. Like, did they give a shit that he did a collab with? You know what I mean? Like, why does this matter? 
with that said, though, I do really like uh, Homecoming. Homecoming is like, a beautiful track, yeah. There are plenty of songs that fall into the trope of, I'm going to write a love song, but it's really about my hometown. But I got to say, Kanye does it really well oh, yeah, on here. I think he probably does it like the best of, like this is one of the best of those, just with how much he commits to it. Uh, although he does do the uh, the common thing uh, at the end of the track, you know, you know the uh, I used to love it where he's like, "Hey guys, in case you didn't know what I was talking about." I hate that he says, "If you didn't know by now, I'm talking about Shy Town." Like, <laughs> it's like, yes, yeah, uh huh. You didn't have to do that, Kanye. If if at first you're listening and you're like, "Her name was Wendy," like, hmm. <laughs> now, now wait a minute <laughs> and then you're just listening most of us are catching wise by the third verse if not by the end of the first like we're not that slow Kanye you're not that deep and I always thought it was odd just the way the sec- the first verse ends with the weird cut there like I guess that's why last winter she got so cold I mean she said yeah keep making that keep making that platinum and go for me and which like puts it off the beat so that it like goes like slightly over the guy singing the hook but it's like if you would have not done that it would have been the flow would have ended right before the hook and it would have been perfect to go right into the you know what i mean right into the hook where it was so it's just like like i always remember being like why do that like you made the conscious decision to cut that part and be like no it sounds too good that it cuts off before the (laughs) you know and so it's like and now you have to perform that live you have to say keep making that keep making that platinum and go like why And, man, ending with Big Brother is a really fucking strong track. Um, I'm, I'm, I said that I wasn't going to... We're gonna cry. ...talk... No. <laughs> that, that I wasn't going to... Dude, the relationship they have is so beautiful. <laughs> but yet flawed. <laughs> like, I, and I still won't... I won't talk specifics about Kanye as the dude in 2020. Um... But has anyone, like an artist of today, recorded a remix of Big Brother, but it's about Kanye? <laughs> this Right about now, we would be due for one of those tracks. <laughs> like, it feels like people had to have thought about it and then maybe thought better of it. Like, I, I mean, yeah, because yeah, yeah, then you might have to interact with Kanye, you know. <laughs> like, I heard the song you made about me. <laughs> You don't like my dragon energy. (laughs) You have to fucking deal with the fans and maybe Kanye himself, and that's just more trouble than it's worth. And don't worry, I was definitely thinking it when I when because it's kind of hard to ignore, unfortunately, with the the climate we're in now, and just kind of talking about how like I used to look up to you, and you know, there's plenty of people these days who were like when they were kids listening to Kanye, they were in the exact same boat, you know. Um, but you mentioned earlier that there are a few, uh, possible historical, uh, shall we say, inaccuracies. Yeah, a little, a little revisionism going on. <laughs> a little bit of lin Manuelin going on, ah. who knows. <laughs> so, yeah, with this lyric in particular, and, and this, this is a lyric that, like, I remember hearing it being like kind of cut, you like kind of cut me right because it was just like, oh man, wh- how could Jay do something like this to him? You know, <laughs> like it was like that is kind of like hmm, maybe I kind of understand why you know he's being a little a little cold, but a first, little salty. Yeah, first of all though, I do want to point out this lyric. 
And yeah, I think this is what made it worse. So this is the lyric. Like, I told Jay I did a song with Coldplay. Next thing, he got a song with Coldplay. Back in my mind, I'm like, no way. Translate Espanol, no way, Jose. <laughs> did you think that was funny? Like, <laughs> oh, I'm going to trip up with this one. I know a little Spanish. Like, what? <laughs> I thought you were going to point out the... No, no, yeah, I'm going to bring up that next. But just, like... Oh, okay. The fact that, just, like, I was about to get to that, and then I was like, no, we're we're not skipping this. (laughs) We're not skipping no way, Jose. You're not getting the... You're not getting the, uh, uh, you know, a flawless five out of five out of me with a lyric like, translate Espanol, no way, Jose. Yeah, that's a bit of a miss. Um, but yeah, then then you got the lyric like, you know, Big Brother got his show up at Madison Square. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, we gonna be there. But not only did I not get a chance to spit it, Carlene told me I could buy two tickets. And oh. I heard that lyric like, oh, shit. Look, oh, man. man. Jay's being kind of cold. And, you know, maybe it's one of those things where it's like, oh, you know, Jay, Jay didn't think Kanye was going to be that big. You know what I mean? And so, yeah. like, you know, you're kind of on Kanye's side. Like, oh, yeah, get him, Kanye. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, he didn't see your worth, but but he'll see it one day. You know what I'm saying? It's one of those things. And then... I mean, we did just spend an hour with the man, so... <laughs> and, but then, first off, you find out, yeah, that Coldplay thing, like, was for a song that wasn't even a single, so why is he even feel any type of way about that (laughs) yeah that's first off (laughs) and then second off uh again when i when i looked up the interview it says uh jay clarified these lines in 2007 pointing out their unfairness uh we know everybody sees things differently you would think he didn't get any tickets he got four tickets he wanted six it's true it's really true he wanted two more tickets but if you heard that you'd be like damn them niggas ain't give them niggas no tickets come on (laughs) (laughs) like yeah jay-z and you know if i was jay-z i'd feel a little a little a little miffed especially like going like you know it's like these lyrics are gonna be here forever dude like you just shit on me (laughs) like why oh oh, because because of a collab word is that get you in your feelings? Like, no, I wanted to be the first rapper to collaborate with a rock musician. Like, seriously? <laughs> like, do you think when they recorded Watch the Throne and they fucking put it out, that fucking Jay-Z looked over and he was like, are you happy now? Are you over the fucking tickets? The whole fuck EP, essentially. Like, y- you good? Water under the bridge now? So yeah, that, that that's just the thing that just feels, and it's weird. Like you know, Jay Z is the fucking billionaire guy, but I end up oddly feeling bad for him after like finding out the truth about some of these songs, you know. And and I especially will put blame on Kanye for making me feel bad for a billionaire <laughs> for that. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> How oh, dare man. you, sir? <laughs> RC, what did you give graduation? Uh, I give it a four and a half. I ended up giving it a four. I, I really do think, like, it, it is one of those albums where it's just like, I hear why people, like, love it so much. But I yeah. can't stop hearing the issues with it that people seem to be overlooking that they feel that is so good that it maybe allows them to overlook or maybe, like, enjoy it if that's their humor, you know what I mean? But for me, it's right. just like, 
there's just one or two times where it's just like, I can't just keep listening to him joke about it. Because, like, after a certain level, it's just like, especially after this album, it really becomes, you know, the, the game of, like, yeah, you know, rappers brag about themselves all the time, but now this is just rich guy rap, where it's just like, I cannot in any way relate to you buying Hermes bag. Like, dude, I didn't even know what the fuck that was before you brought it up. Like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> There's no way I can relate to this at all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it's a really dope album. Um, I wish I didn't sleep on it for as long as I did. I wish I would have listened to it um, sooner. I think there's some really, really strong cuts on here. Yeah, for sure. Uh, just about all the fucking singles um, are really good, and then some of the deeper cuts are just as good, making you wonder why they weren't singles themselves. But, mm-hmm. man, fucking Drunken Hot Girls is mm-hmm. absolute 100% skippable garbage. Um and just some of the other cuts that I wasn't that big, uh, I wasn't yeah, that. So, uh, some of the tracks where it feels like like you've got the epic production, but it just feels like something deeper should be happening to accompany it. And it's but then as you listen, it's just Kanye joking and fucking around, and it's just like, well, do you realize that this beat is so cool and serious? You know. But that about wraps it up for this week's episode of Going Off. Um, huge special shout out and thank you. Uh, to this week's very special guest, R.A. The Rugged Man. Uh, one more reminder for the folks, please check out his new album, All My Heroes Are Dead. It came out back in April. There is no excuse. And it will surprise you. <laughs> you know, it's his first record in seven years, so you gotta catch up on what R.A.'s been up to. Big thanks to B'Angelo uh, for requesting Graduation by Kanye West. And if there is an album that you would like to request... Uh, us to review on the show. It is a one-time $40 pledge for now. What are we doing with that, by the way? Are we upping that? Uh, yeah, I, we're, we're going to be upping that uh, going forward, because we just got so many requests. Like We've got like 30-something requests in the queue. I'll be totally honest with y'all. Yeah. And yeah, on paper, if we just did two requests a week, that would be like 15 shows, but that's not even counting possible new releases that might get in yeah. the way, and 15 weeks is still... That's still 15 weeks. It's still fucking... Just stemming the tide just for me personally so I could, like, manage... <laughs> like, that's how I personally feel like, okay, if we raise the price, that will slow people down so I can, like... <laughs> I mean, it's fucking basic economics. It's fucking supply and demand. The, yeah. the supply is really high. We gotta up the price a little bit to yeah. maybe slow things down because, yeah, I, I hate making people wait. And the longer the queue gets, the longer people are going to have to exactly. wait. Exactly. And and I have seen like one or two people are like, oh, when is my thing coming up? And I hate doing that. You know, like I want to get to you, but it's, it's anyone the in the world who could it. possibly send us a request versus us two, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we're, we're, we're getting to them as quick as we can, but you know. Yeah. Going forward, this is what I was thinking. So for movie, movie requests for my movie podcast, it'll be, it's $50. Uh, for album reviews, uh, it'll be $60. 70 for a, uh, personal album request if you want to request something yourself for us to listen to on the show. And then it's, uh, 80 for a personal, uh, 
just for me, if you want to like pay me and like let me give you notes for something, uh, I've actually had a couple of people like come up to me and be like, "Hey, I really want your uh, you know your uh, consultation on uh, what you think of this." So yeah, yeah, that's also a new tier I'm working on. So yeah, eighty dollars for that if you want to give to that. So if you want to throw me your song or EP or whatever, it can be just a song, but you know you might want to <laughs> get a little bit more bang for your buck. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's a uh, hundred for a rap critic music video review so yeah that's how we're trying to parse things up going forward so 100 for rap critic review 80 for a personal thing with notes 70 for a uh album your personal album review on this podcast 60 for just any album you'd want us to review and then 50 for my movie podcast reviewing you if you want to uh, request something over there so bada boom now you know and also uh i have a new tier on my patreon a two dollar tier where you can vote on the next rap critic episode Episode I do. Oh, so cool. I, w- I was sort of thinking about that in terms of like, well, that's kind of could make up for it, right? Like, okay, prices is going up a little bit, but you get to decide like half, you know, half the time what the next episode is going to be. You know what I mean? So that's dope. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, give the people a little incentive. Also, you can join my Discord, uh, even if you're a $1 patron or whatever. You know what I'm saying? You can uh, uh, join up there. I've, see, I've seen a very big uptick in people going on there. I think I just, like, re... Uh, fucking Discord, like, kills the link after, like, a day and a half or something like that. So you have to, like, keep oh. redoing it. Or you have to, like, specifically say, do not let this be a link that goes dead after a day. <laughs> Oh, so, fucking weird. Yeah, now that I finally made that adjustment, uh, people have been able to go to the Patreon, uh, go to the Discord Patreon, and immediately I saw like a whole bunch of, you know, a whole bunch more people. So, yeah. Oh, uh, wow. Okay. And, you know, I'm going to be doing more polls and, you know, streaming stuff on there. And, and of course, streaming on Twitch. And, well, at this point, I'm just trying to tell you everything I'm doing. <laughs> and I, I need to have a list. <laughs> and then I'll do this. And, and then I do that. <laughs> I, I do poll vaulting on Saturdays. And, <laughs> I don't know where the fuck that came from. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> For new listeners um, who might have never listened to us before, all of our old episodes are on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, so you can do some catch-up, uh, listen to past episodes and past interviews, because we've revu- we've interviewed uh, yeah, a pretty we're hefty in- sum. We interviewed uh, Speech from Arrested Development. We interviewed Arabian, Arabian Prince. Prince from NWA. Mega Rand, uh, Samus, mm-hmm. Sky Blue. Yeah, uh, we're building it up. Famside Norman recently. Mm-hmm. Closer Affiliates, fucking uh, Kill Bill and Rev. Always mm-hmm. a joy to have on. Uh, left at London, who oh, yes. I would love to have on the show again uh, sometime uh, soon. D-Respect, yeah. No. D-Respect, Open Mike Eagle. Mm-hmm. It's a good problem to have when we can't remember every fucking guest we have <laughs> yeah. on the show. That list is getting very, very, uh, very long, and that is a good problem to have. And I am mm-hmm. looking forward to uh, making that, trying to making that a more a more regular thing, ha- trying to have some people on more often. But, you know, so if people have any ideas of maybe people that, you know, might be Yeah, some folks out there who might, you know, low-key be into the show. I mean, hey, maybe know. fucking Brie Larson is a fan of the Going Out podcast, <laughs> and, you know, just no one's brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> you, you didn't ask. <laughs> right? Yeah, we just did a fucking open casting call, like, who's listening? <laughs> who's out there? Some famous movie stars like, oh, shit, I forgot. I was, yeah, I could have, shit, I could have slid these guys like $5,000. Oh, fuck. I forgot I'm famous. (laughs) But that about wraps it up for this week's Going Off. So until next week for the podcast, I'm Muse. 
and I'm Rap Critic, and every record label sucks dick. Every record label sucks dick. <laughs>